0: Welcome, everybody, to FXR Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island Life number 42. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, Appreciate the downloads each and every week. Uh, We're going to look behind the scenes at some guys who are on uh, Privateer teams and what they're doing, what's going on. And this one particular. It's going to be very interesting to a lot of people. Uh, first up, thanks to FXR Racer. Design for racers by racers. FXR Racing sets the standards and the motocross industry uh, for providing you uh, gear that has importance of comfort, fit, and takes note on how to keep making things better. FXRRacing.com. And here's the best part of everything. If you go to FXRRacing.com. Pulp MX30 is the code to save 30 percent off your next gear purchase. Yeah, so thanks to the folks at FXR, of course Hep Suzuki among the other guys, uh, among the teams and riders that are using FXR racing and Race Tech Suspension. Pulp MX18 is the code to save at Race Tech uh, Motors and Suspension going on at the folks at Race Tech. Get your oil changed, get your suspension set up, get your get your bike working better with the folks at uh, Race Tech Suspension, and we thank them for coming on as well. Like I said, this is uh, episode number 42 of Private to your island life. Man on the phone, former factory rider, 250 supercross winner. And now making a comeback and sometime Pop Mex show co-host, Blake Wharton. What's up, Blake? How are you, man? What's going on, Steve? Thank you for coming on. It. Thanks for
1: thanks for having me. Yeah, we would have liked to have gotten in studio with you, but uh, now that we're uh, back in the grind, we
0: have a little less time. <laughs> Imagine that, right? <laughs> welcome, welcome back. To, that. Yeah, welcome back to uh, Racer Life once again. That's right. Um, well, hey man, I'm excited for you. This is really cool, a really neat story. You're coming back. We kind of all know that. Um, we thought it was going to be 250 East on a Mun Racing Husky, and uh, before we knew it you switched to IB Corp Yamaha on the West Coast. Um, I guess before we get into how it's going and how all that uh, is going for Indianapolis that you're going to race, what about the Mon Husky to IB Corp Yamaha switch? How did that happen? What Take us take us behind the scenes of that.
1: Yeah, a few things transpired in order for that to happen. Obviously, we wanted to race the East Coast for a few reasons. You know, I'm, I have a lot of experience on the East Coast and Dallas is round one. It gave us a little more time um, to prepare, but... Um, I had a preseason crash a few weeks before the the opener, and I just wasn't feeling too well at that point. Um, was still injured, and so we missed round one. We missed round two, and at that point, we thought, well, you know, we might we might just use this time that we have, and start preparing. Um, shortly thereafter, the offer from IB Corp came over, um, because they had some some injured riders, you know, from their event at San Diego, mm-hmm. um, and it just so happens, you know, that I've worked with Jamie Ellis a lot in the past and um josh bartnick who's now my mechanic and so we have some good chemistry with those guys um i really like the yamaha as well obviously i was writing that a little earlier this year um and so it just seemed to make sense and make a little more sense timing wise um you know after being off the bike you know for so long we wanted to make sure that we we put our best foot forward yeah so for that's sure kind of, yep. yeah that's how the IB corp yeah, kind of came
0: together um and mun was cool with it mun was all right i mean yeah, right.
1: yeah the we've known the guys uh, at mun for a long time um big dan and, and chip over there chip mun um you know no one wants to start planning for a season and then just have it kind of end abruptly um but um they understand you know they're racers at the end of the day um and they they know you know that yeah sometimes these things will come in and sort of influence sure. um a decision um we were partnering up with them but they were they were very you know kind and gracious um towards our decision making um like i said you know yeah. no hard feelings there they, they've they been very good um mm-hmm. at, at all that but uh you know we're looking forward to it now kind of kind of taking the time taking a breath and going okay let's yeah. let's make this happen now we've raced the west coast before 2010 so we're just kind of going back to those tracks
0: yeah, yeah absolutely it'll be like i said yeah. race in indianapolis uh coming up and uh, it'll be the East-West race. Uh, so you're jumping in. You're jumping right in the deep end, Warden. Head in. That's right. <laughs> Head first. Um. So yeah, you said you just rode the Yamaha a little bit before. You rode the Husky. Now the Husky is no slouch. It's a good bike. Uh, the Yamaha motor is fantastic in that class. What are the differences between the bikes?
1: Yeah, I would say they're 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 both probably the best bikes in the lights class right now for sure. I would say most would agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bikes are very different from one another. Actually, if you were to look at them. Uh, On the spectrum, you know, the Husqvarna is all top-end, got a different feel chassis-wise. It's got that, um, you know, steel frame. And the Husqvarna has more of that traditional Japanese feel with a lot of that bottom end. That's what most guys like about it. That's what I really like about the the Yamaha um, 250F. Um, So I really liked both of the bikes. Mm -hmm. uh, But I think that I just probably, um, right now, I'm more suited to the Yamaha 250F.
0: Yep. Yeah. Do you? Uh, how much time did you have on the Yamaha before you jumped to a Husky? Like, how much time did you ride the Yamaha? Yeah,
1: and I had I had a lot of time on the Yamaha before several several months. Okay. And so, and I would ridden it, you know, even before then, before I got a bike, um, and I had liked it. You know, I've always I'm not always because I never raced it before, but I've I've liked it in recent years. Yeah. Um, so it definitely felt comfortable. Um, even on the stock bike that I have, it was just a new stock to D F and yep. you could tell that the bike could be made, you know, really, mm-hmm. really fast for yep. Supercross, Motocross,
0: what have you. Um, so I was talking to Reed about this because he's he's doing he's making some Franken suspension for his Husky now because he feels better, his speed is coming up. And he's starting to notice the steel frame flex. Uh, so just uh, in your opinion, going from the Yamaha that you had a lot of time on, it, like you said, to the Husky, did you notice that? Is that something that, uh, not good or bad, just did you notice that the steel frame flex?
1: Um, I have in the past, and that's it's actually something that I think is advantageous to have uh, the steel frame flex mm-hmm. um, because it you know, the, the Supercross bikes for a while had gotten so stiff and so rigid with the sticker forks. Yep. And it kind of got to a point where we needed a little bit of give somewhere. Yep. And I think that steel frame allowed um, the rider to have more feel on the track, especially on the on the part of the track where you didn't need quite as much, it's mm-hmm. cornering or, you know, braking, et cetera. Um, and I think even more so for smaller guys because, you know, let's be honest, they don't really need – you know the aluminum frame quite as much because there's yeah. just much less strain on the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, guys that are that are larger, maybe a little more abrasive on the bike. I think they might like that aluminum frame because it feels more stable. Yep. Um, so I think a lot of it depends on the racer. A lot of it depends on how aggressive they are, mm-hmm. and you can see um, certain guys will actually be better on the KTM, the Husky. Certain guys will be better on the Japanese bike, and I would say a lot of that has to do with the frame.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's an interesting thing for sure. And I, yeah, as a factory mechanic back in my day, I we tested head stays and motor mounts and the smallest differences, and we wouldn't tell the guys, and they would notice things. It doesn't take much with aluminum and steel and and shaving things off and drilling holes here and there that you can literally notice a difference. So it is it is not not that big like. Not that the strange that you would notice a huge difference with frames.
1: Yeah, it's it's basically the foundation of the bike. You know, mm-hmm. it's a skeleton, if you will. And so it plays a larger part, I think, than most people would imagine.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so a little more detail with this switch. So who calls you from IB Corp? Rhino? Ryan Hughes? No, I've, I've been keeping in touch with Rhino over the years. Uh-huh. Um, I never
1: worked with Rhino before, and I really didn't know him too well back when I was racing, you know, in, in 2009 and 10. Um, but I had gotten to know him over the years, and he's a real interesting guy, and he's got obviously a lot of different unique ideas regarding training, um, but I, and I also had kept in touch with Jamie Ellis, and it was actually Ellis, um, who's the team manager over there right now, who I started talking to again. Of course, there was Brad, um, Brad, um, the producer of the show, Brad Barker uh-huh. over there. I kept kept in touch with him as well, and so I just kind of, Saw that they had a bad round, and we we were talking, and I said, "Are you guys going to get a feeling guy?" And they said, "Well, yeah, if, if it's you." And I said, oh. "Wait, well that you know that makes that makes sense, and that makes it a little easier." Yeah. Um, you know, considering I was injured and off the off the track at that time as well, so, um, yeah, not a not something you want to do kind of last minute, um, but um, something you have to do sometimes due to injuries. So and we've seen it. You know, each year guys will yeah. plan for West, and they have a last-minute injury. They get bumped to East Coast, and then someone else will replace them on a team.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. They, so, they yeah. had a, a couple crashes in San Diego. Um, McConaughey went down, Heft went down. Yep. They might have had a few openings at that at They, they had
1: a few. It was a rough round. We'll put it that way. You can yep. watch the episode, yep. uh, racetrack, Supercross, and you can see that that was perhaps the roughest round they've had in a long time. Yeah. Uh, Martin Costello also had a crash. So yeah. they had Michael Lieb in the main, but it was just overall a tough race, and sometimes that uh, contagion can spread yep. from one rider to the next.
0: And this is for the rest of Supercross? Any outdoors? I thought they were going to do a few outdoors in the beginning. Um, have they told you? Yeah, it's for the rest of Supercross, so the, the final four rounds. Mm-hmm. Um and then outdoors,
1: I think is kind of up in the air. You know, they like to do the West rounds, Glen Helen, Hangtown, yep. you know, yep. um, Colorado. Yep. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna play it by ear once we get the the Super Crossover. I figure we have an, a lot of intense racing coming up, and uh, we'll have our hands full. You know, yep. for the first four rounds anyway. So right, we'll right. focus
0: on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you've been working with Rhino now um, out in the West Coast. Yeah. yeah, I've been working with Rhino now and. Um,
1: like I said we've kept in touch over the years and I've kind of talked to him about you know what it would take to to kind of return to racing and what his thoughts were on it yep. and um you know Rhino has a lot of experience and he's he's in the mix of the guys on on the daily so we uh yeah we're going to work tomorrow at the, at the supercross track you know we'll yep. come back we'll do some work in the gym um on the bike or uh you know, in the yoga studio. So yeah, yeah. Some different perspective, but uh, ultimately all good from what I've seen.
0: Yeah, no. know. Hey, the program looks good, looks professional. So you have to wear that gear. What is that gear that IB is running?
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the gear is radical gear, uh-huh. uh, but it's also Canvas MX. They've okay. sort of partnered up. Yep. Yeah. So we have um, some unique looks depending on the rounds. You know, you've seen the FMF gear that they had a few rounds back. Yeah, it looks and then good. They've had, yeah. yeah, they've had some other gears, but uh, – They've done a pretty good job at getting um, getting things together and getting a professional look.
0: Um, um, and, good, yeah. good. So for you, uh, oh, so hey, can you wear the Atlas brace or no? I know Rhino hates neck braces. I do. Um,
1: yeah, we we could. We can definitely wear the Atlas brace or whatever brace yeah. of our of our choosing. Um, but there's. Yeah, Rhino has some opinions on that. You know, oh, he yes, he does. Yes, well, yeah, he does. He doesn't, he doesn't say either way whether to wear it or not to. He, yep. I think, ultimately, he likes to leave that decision to the rider. Yep. But yeah, he has no, he has no problem, um, you know, voicing his opinion on it. Yep. And I think where he stands is really more, you know, the best, um, you know, defense is a strong offense. Basically, you can prepare as good as you can, and you can be as strong as possible, and that's your best way to eliminate these Brian. injuries. But um, ultimately,
0: it's up to the rider. Okay, so you've won supercrosses before. You wrote for Geico. You wrote for Rockstar. You're certainly a great rider in your time. Many podiums, many top fives, and all that. Um, getting back into it, Blake. Like, how do you feel? Do you? F- I mean, look, don't give us the cheesy. You feel as good as ever. Come on. Sure. Blake. How do you no. feel? How is it? Uh,
1: you know better than that. I'm not <laughs> going to give you that one. <laughs> it's a good point. Um, right. Well you know getting back to motocross first of all you know earlier in the season i felt really good mm-hmm. you know motocross is kind of that is feels like home for a racer you yep. know when you grow up racing on motocross from 8 years old on you get pretty comfortable out of even the more technical tracks and so i was i was feeling good there but you know supercross is a different thing and even these these former racers and the guys who've done it all they know that supercross is is a different beast and so coming from you know, being on the sidelines so long and getting back on the Supercross track at, at first, it was brutal. Yeah. You know, it was tough. I was like, <laughs> it was wow. Brutal. It was brutal. <laughs> it was brutal, you know, and that wasn't me necessarily going out and sprinting. That wasn't yeah. me necessarily going super fast right away. I was just getting acclimated, but you realize very, very quickly just how um, strenuous the, the sport is. Yeah. You know, I've always heard the saying that motocross is the second most physically demanding sport, yep. you know, to, I believe, soccer. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, now it makes sense because now I can feel it in my lungs.
0: <laughs> sure, yeah.
1: Yeah, so it it was, it was took some time. Yeah, it took some time. Right. We had some bad weather in Texas. It made it even more challenging to get the riding in we needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, when I got back to the West Coast, when I got, you know, working with the guys and had a team backing me again, it made the transition um,
0: smoother. Yep.
1: Um, it's definitely something I wouldn't approach lightly if I were to tell someone, if I were to recommend it to someone. Right. You know, Supercross is no joke. Um, you know, when your heart rate's at 180, 190, 200 for, you know, 15 minutes, you're going to feel things that you haven't felt in a while. hmm um, so, But ultimately, the transition was, was smoothened out, I feel, due to the, the team and, and the guys helping me out.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, nothing against the Munn guys. They've supported many racers, and they, and they seem like good guys. But you can step into this IB Corp program, who was racing Supercross this year with a lot of guys, and they could be like, hey, Here's the suspension settings that these guys liked, and it's close to your stuff. Here's our motor package that everybody preferred. Um, you know, as recently as two months ago, it was ridden at a high level in Supercross. I mean, it's a nice, it's a it's a really a nice pair of shoes to slip into. You know what I mean? It helps a lot.
1: Yeah, it does. It helps a lot. It's a nice fit. It's what I'm used to, like kind of back in the day. You know, yeah. and, and yep. more props to the privateers guy, privateer guys, because that is a very you know, difficult, yeah. you know, way of going about it. And they do it, and they do a good job, and it's it's grossly underrated, I would say, Um, you know, going at it the privateer route. Um, I've suited up to do it a few times, but fortunately, kind of last minute, I've gotten rides yeah. in 14 this year. Um, And, yeah, it was kind of that mold that we were, we were needing, we were looking for, you know, where we can go to the track, we can work with the guys on suspension, you know, work with the guys at Twisted Development on the motors. And it's a lot, you know, when mm-hmm. you're doing things on your own, or when you're even even when you have help as a privateer. It's it's really a lot. It's a major undertaking. Um and so we're 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 pretty excited to have these guys backing us and
0: scoring us. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see you back on track. It's a real cool story, and uh, you know I know I'll be watching you for sure. The one thing about it, Blake, is you're going to start at Indy. It's a, it's a it's an East West combined, and you've been riding West Coast dirt. This will be East Coast dirt. Now you're a veteran. You know you're from Texas, so you, it's not like you've never ridden tacky ruddy kind of dirt. But it's going to be a, quite a jump for you for Indianapolis.
1: Yeah, it, it will be. Um, we knew that it wasn't necessarily the ideal round to come back to because like, Hey, here, here's the fastest 20 guys, basically, you know, on a different track, let's go racing. Um, but ultimately we've never shied away from the competition. You know, I mean, we're going to race these guys eventually. So, Hey, why not race him at the first one? Um, I've led laps at Indy. I've won Indy. Um, so ultimately I, I kind of have in many ways, I kind of have an advantage in, in that regard. Um, but being away, you know, we're just going to take it uh, the best we can. We're going to just try to be fast for now. You know, we got to come back. we got to be fast. It starts with qualifying at these races because, you know, the shootouts in these um, Triple Crown events, practice is more important, I would say. Yeah. Because if you don't qualify there, you go straight to the LCQ, and no one wants to be in the LCQ.
0: No, absolutely. So, um, so yeah, and yeah, go on. Well, I was going to say. So, uh, what's your expectations? Like, never mind Indianapolis because it's a combined and it's your first one. But when you get to the West stuff, what do you think you could do, Blake? What would you be? What would you be happy with?
1: Yeah. Well, you know that's a good question. Um, I would say, you know, right now my goal isn't necessarily a, a certain position mm-hmm. finishing wise. Obviously, the further up we can get, the better. And I'm certainly not going to, you know. I'm not going to look at it any different, say than I have in the past mm-hmm. but uh you know I think getting in the top ten right away would be a good uh good goal
0: yep
1: yeah from there, but certainly, I know what I'm capable of, and I really do feel good on the practice track right now, and we've had really good um a good vibe going with the guys on the team, and mm-hmm. I think that they know that. If things were to go our way on the race, if we were to get a good start, and if things are just working, we have that mojo. Well, who knows? Top yeah. five, top three. Right. Um, you know, we've done it before. We can do it again, but we do know that it's a major undertaking. It's a lot. These guys have gotten faster. You know, the, the pace has con- continuously improved. But definitely, I'd say top 10, and then we work our way up from there.
0: Yeah, I think that that's fair for, your, yeah. for a guy like yourself. Um, you've always been a good starter, too, and, and we talked about the bike. You know that's a nice combo. Um, yeah. But I guess like when's the last time you had a gate drop?
1: Well, I've had some gate drops, but they haven't necessarily been your traditional gate drops. Okay. Like, you know, at the end of '14, I raced down in Brazil for um, two of the motor, motocross um, races down there, their national yeah. championship.
0: Yeah, that's four uh, years. That's four years ago, Blake. That doesn't even count.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, I've logged so many hours, I could, I could essentially, you know, go at least ride a bike in my sleep. Sure. That's you know, true. Don't that's nec- true. You know, yeah. you don't necessarily lose it. And I think guys, um, you know, you do lose it at some point, but it's just a funny thing because, you know, in some ways I feel exactly the same as before. In some ways I feel totally different. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but ultimately it's still a guy on a bike. It's still these, these, these different, you know, ways of approaching, you know, the sport, but mm-hmm. You know, another thing not to not to be overlooked is my, you know, uh, my perspective now I think has changed in the last, you know, three or four years. Sure, it's been a while, and sure, you know, it's going to take some time to get sharp again, and that's why we're practicing now, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and that's why we're not expecting too much right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm planning on using some of those, you know, veteran um, yeah. techniques and veteran, yeah. you know, perspectives to kind of, you know, help close the gap.
0: So you've been riding in Elsinore, or where have you been riding out there?
1: Yeah, we've been riding at Elsinore. We've been riding at Milestone. We're okay. actually going to Elsinore today. So we know the guys have ridden out here. We know what the local lap times are and well, you know what, the, what the factory guys are.
0: That was my next question. How do you stack up? I mean, it it's different and all that, but how do you stack up with some guys that are, you know, heavy hitters?
1: Yeah, we actually haven't had a chance to ride with the, you know, exit here, the heavy hitters. Yep. Because a lot of the guys have gone east. Um, which is kind of a new thing from when I was racing, yeah, you know, true. three, four yeah. years ago. Yep. Uh, everyone would stay in California. Now everyone's going east. So I really haven't seen a factory guy in at, at all. Um, but fortunately we've had some good um guys. Taft rides out here. Michael Lee rides out here. You know, Costello, some of the guys on the team ride yep. out here. Yep. Blake Lilly rides out here. And some guys that go, you know, pretty fast on these tracks. You know, on the practice track, things are always closer. Mm-hmm. Um and guys can be better racers, and guys can be better practicers, I think our times are, are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Leebs no slouch, and he can definitely throw down a fast lap, especially at like yeah. an Elsnore milestone, who's kind of his home track. Yeah. And me and Michael have been, you know, good friends for a while now. We grew up racing against each other, so we've been riding and training together. I, I can't tell you exactly what the lap time is, but I know we're getting close. Yeah. Um, and if I can use that for now until some guys, until some more guys show up, it's really all we can do.
0: FXR Racing, Race Tech Suspension, Privateer, Iden Life, Number Forty Two, with Blake Wharton. Thanks to FXR Racing, use the code PulpMX thirty to save at FXR and of course, Race Tech Suspension, uh, use the code PulpMX eighteen to save with Race Tech. I think didn't you use Race Tech growing up or something, Blake? weren't you yeah, a Race Tech
1: kid for a while? Yeah, we were we were Race Tech kids, and actually, the funny story is Josh Bartnick, who's my mechanic now. Aka Cheese, he was the race tech guy back in the day.
0: Oh, nice! So yeah, and all so we out. have
1: some yeah we have some race tech history.
0: Yeah, all right, perfect. Uh, Blake Wharton's talking about his comeback here. It's going to start at Indy for the IB Corp Yamaha. Uh, what's it like having the cameras around? How do you um, how do you feel about that? How's that been?
1: I think it's a, a good element. I think it's a unique angle that the sport kind of needs. You know, we've seen it in the past with some different teams back in the day on television shows, but the television you know, industry is probably super, super competitive. And so you saw that these channels, these, these shows didn't necessarily last too long. Um, whereas the internet show and the web episode web series type of platform, I think is, is a unique element for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it can get the the sport out there a little more and a little more easy, easily. Um, uh, we haven't done a whole lot of shooting yet, but obviously that when racing yeah. comes, we'll be doing more. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've known Brad for a while now. I don't, you know some people may or may not know but we did the story on the Ivy Corp team uh um, me and Courtney did last year. Yeah. And this was before, you know, we we were going to be racing, so it was right. kind of a kind of a funny way things work out.
0: Yeah, it it really is, isn't it? Um yeah. uh, hey, so uh let's talk a little bit of 250s just in general get your opinion on some stuff uh Osborne and Forkner right now. Um Osborne takes them down at the opener. Uh it uh they come together in um this past weekend or the weekend before in Atlanta, they come together on a rhythm section. Things are getting tense. And, and Blake, you're not that type of guy. I don't remember you having any big rivalries like this, but um, these two things, this is going to get heated before this East Coast is over. What's that sure. like as a rider or a team to have uh, somebody where it's getting a little personal?
1: Well, you know, it's it can make the series a little more like – I wouldn't say, you know, it just, I guess it narrows in a bit, mm-hmm. you know, even though there's still guys and obviously Jordan Smith's not far down in third. No. You know, so there's still mm-hmm. a lot of other players in this championship and it's not near close enough to the end for us to say who's, who is it, who it's going to be. Um, but it can narrow in a bit. And sometimes that's good. Um, sometimes that's bad for the racers because they can start to fixate on a certain racer Yeah. and, and it can kind of distract them a bit. But, you know, you saw this weekend at Daytona, they lined up next to each other. Well, that wasn't, you know, by mistake. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, and Forkner moved over on Osborne. Well, that wasn't a mistake either. You know, Zach's a a fierce competitor, as we've seen, and he's certainly going to to have a rebuttal or a strike back here soon. Yep. Um, But I figure, you know, the PC guys are thinking, hey, if we can beat you off a start, well, that gives us a a better advantage going for the rest of the race. And, you know, obviously Forkner is kind of that, that younger guy, and he's able to have the speed, and he's mm-hmm. looking really good right now. So yeah. it's it's hard to say what's going to happen. I think that the, the racing will get closer, and it'll probably look like what happened last year on the, with the East Coast as well. Mm-hmm. You know, with Osborne, it's kind of yeah. coming down to the last round. So it's good for racing. It's good for us on the sideline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a nail-biter for those guys.
0: Have you ever had a guy like that where it's just like every week you're hitting each other and, and it, it, things are getting a li- I don't remember that, but have you ever no, had
1: that? I- Not necessarily every weekend, Um, but, yeah, we've, you know, in amateur racing, it's like that probably for a whole year straight. Yeah, true, right. Right. You know, amateur racing, it's like you have with the the age Mm groups. you know, you'll you'll age out. So you have, like, two guys that are, like, super fast in the class. And so it's like you've got 40 guys on the gate, but it's really only, like, two guys out there. Right, right. And so that's what the racing sort of becomes like. It was like Ricky and Reed back in the day. Uh You might as well not even have had anyone else on the on the gate yep. in those guys' minds. Um and that's what it can kind of become. And so uh I'm looking forward to it. Obviously we have one we have one more round. I believe it's St. Louis this weekend. St. Louis, yeah. And you know, then a break. So we're we're bound to see some fireworks I think this weekend.
0: So one of the things we talked about in my in my Yankee shows was Eli Tomac is incredible. He has these guys covered in speed most of the time, but he keeps making these small mistakes. Do you have any theories on what Eli's doing out there? Why he keeps making these small mistakes? It's cost him the title. He's not winning this thing this year, but he's right. so so fast.
1: Yeah, I would. I mean, you could kind of see a difference in in the writing style and technique when Eli switched from the Honda. To the Cowie. Yep. Um, everyone knew that that Cowie was kind of like a rear end turning machine, especially having Villapoto had, he had kind of developed it all of those years. Mm-hmm. And the Honda that he was on then with, with the Geico bike, it was a bike that he had been on for a very long time, ever since he'd been on a big bike. It was more of a front end turning machine. It had a lot of weight on the front end. And so you saw kind of sometimes Eli had some some crashes or some. Some things happened in the outdoors, I think, 2014, where he lost the rear on that Honda. Yeah. And we've seen him lose the rear in Supercross a few times in the whoops, and it just kind of looked like, well, that kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Obviously, these things are amplified because he's on that edge so much, and I think that's one of the things that makes him, you know, so good right now is he's able to ride that that edge. Um, Still has had some mistakes on the Cowie. Still, you know, um, some um some things that have cost him. But, you know, he's that kind of guy that when he's on, he's on. And I think everyone has even said that. When, yeah. he's, when he's struggling, he's struggling. I can't say exactly what it might be right now because we haven't just seen it from him. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Musquins had, yeah. you know, had a bit of an up-and-down year. Yeah. You know, and Roxanne's had a bit of an up-and-down year. And usually to have all of those guys have a struggling a struggle of a year is kind of rare. So I don't know. Maybe it's something in the water.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe that's as good as that's as good of a reason as any. Um, yeah. Hey, you know it's funny with Brayton winning Daytona. Uh, we were talking about a little bit at the race uh, a couple years ago. He had hit his head a bunch with BTO, and it wasn't going well. And I don't think he liked the bike and the team, and and he was sort of you know from an outsider you'd be like, well Brayton's going to be done soon. He's hanging on quote unquote with MCR, you know, and he didn't have a good year last year. And you know, you'd just be the general consensus would be like, ah, Brayton's just get collecting a check and he'll be done sure. soon. But you know what? You never know, do you? You never give up. You never know. He's third in the points. He just won Daytona, and and it goes back to your situation a little bit, Blake. Like, you just never know, do you?
1: No, you just never know. And I would say there's a new same kind of coming on with our in our sport with the modern, you know, technology and advances in. You know, they've had it medically. Um, you know, riders are able to pro- prolong their career a bit. Um, you know, Chad Reed's, what, 35, 36, and Justin Brayden is, you know, 33. Yep. And that, a few years back, I would say, was kind of unheard of with the exception of Michael Rocco. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something you're going to start seeing, and even me and Rhino have talked about it. Yeah, guys can be competitive in their 30s, and they can be more than competitive. They can actually win. Um, and we're seeing it, so it's it's definitely encouraging for a guy like me, or for some of the guys who maybe are in their late twenties. Yeah. Um, because you know the way that those guys make it look, you know, we have a potentially another ten years here. It's like a it's like another career. It's like I'm starting over.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's pretty cool. And I mean, again, you know, the odds are long, and and you never know. But no one would have picked Brighton to win. No one would have picked Brighton to win.
1: No one would have picked him to win, but I think if you would have watched uh, the last few weeks, seeing his, his winning in the mm-hmm. in the Triple Crown events, I think his confidence started going up with the Triple Crowns. Yep. Uh, and I think certain guys really, really like that platform, certain guys not so much. It's more like the amateur racing platform where you're racing a lot more often mm-hmm. and for a shorter amount of time. And so I think it's good to mix it up. I think it's good for certain guys. And I think he was one that really built off of his first Triple Crown where I think he won a moto or was leading or something like that. Yeah, um, but he led, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. So good or bad, no matter how this does, Blake, this comeback with IB Corp. Um, are you gonna? Is this a, a return to full time racing? Like actively looking for a ride in the off season? Say, if you don't want to sign with IB Corp or whatever, is it? Have you thought that far out?
1: Yeah, I have thought that far out, and it's definitely my plan is to keep going um but like i said we don't know what that looks like just yet because yeah. out outdoors is such a question mark you know sure. we'd like to we'd, we're we're open to any sort of racing opportunity right now you know to all those viewers listening you know yeah. um we're open to to race because i know at this point you know more the more racing we can do probably the better it would be for me i mean you can't necessarily expect to come back after 3 4 years and have just four races and be maybe your best. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we can touch on our best for these next few races and show people, hey, this is what we're capable of. Yeah. Um, we knew it all along, but this is what we need to show now. Yep. Um, I think that that will open up different opportunities um, going forward. Obviously, there's a lot of you know different circuits there's the major racing circuits but there's some unique racing circuits you know around the world that, sure. that could, yeah. could possibly you know open up
0: to possibilities yeah hey man you never know we just finished never, talking hey, about just, that right i just need to i need to call up justin brayton and talk to him about it <laughs> absolutely uh blake wharton here on the uh race tech suspension fxr racing privateer island podcast before we go blake um your sound check episode we did was one of the one of the more popular ones. Uh, a lot of feedback from it. Guys really liked it. You kind of cheated with so much Cornell, but uh, yeah. w- we'll allow that. But uh, thanks for doing that. People really dug it.
1: No, it was it was uh, it was a good time. I was actually curious as to how it went. And uh, we have a question for you, Steve. It's okay. actually coming from Miss Courtney over here. Um, mm-hmm. She was wondering about the new puppies she saw online. Um,
0: she's completely enamored. Yeah, we the the one we found, right? Yes, the We found. We found a pit pit bull, and she was uh, really scary at first and really scared. She even snapped at at me once, and um, we took her in. I gave her a bath. I gave her some food, and before you know it, she was sleeping with us in our bed, and we were wondering what we were going to do, but luckily... My wife, Pookie, found the owner. Uh, they, they, wow. put, they put up a poster on this neighborhood app. Have you ever heard of this app for your neighborhood wherever you live? Have you ever heard of this? No. Well, you, well, you, live, no. In thir- you live in 13 different places, Warden, so you wouldn't Th- that's know. That's right. But, I don't know. But there's this app, and, and someone suggested that she try it, and she's like, whatever. And she, she downloaded it, she opened it up, and there was a poster looking for Bronx. Her name was Bronx, the Pitbull. And Wow. And we, we delivered her back home, so. Well, that's quite the story. I'm sure the Basset
1: Hounds are relieved.
0: They are because the, the, she was bigger and and meaner, and they didn't know what to do with her. Quite so, yeah. Um, it was, uh, but yeah, back home, uh, you know, it was funny because she just lives in a shed in the backyard with another male pit bull, and I think she's used for breeding. You know, right? And and, and we're just like wondering, like, uh, like. Our dogs live like kings. You've been here, Blake, and, and as has yes. as, as Courtney, and, and they live like kings, and we're like, should we call somebody on them? But we're like, wait, a lot of people just have dogs in sheds. It's not that bad, but, you know, so, I don't know. We were thinking... Sounds like-
1: it sounds like it's, it worked itself
0: out, however. It did. It did. Well, hey, man, thank you for the time on the podcast. Uh, thanks to FXR and Racetech. I am excited to see you at Indy. This is a really cool story. Um, man, we'll see if Blake Wharton can get the magic back. I mean, not too many guys on the line have won Supercrosses, and, and you're one of them. So, man, I'm looking forward to it, and thank you for the time.
1: Thanks, Steve. Well, I'm looking forward to it. We'll touch base um, a little down the road. Sounds good, man. Thank you. Okay. See you.